It never ceases to amaze me how perfect these songs are that go along with uh, the sermon. But it is NBA playoff time. And we are witnessing something that I haven't seen in a while, that I've been longing for. And the Lakers are back in the playoffs. Okay, I heard a couple of boos in here. But don't worry, God still loves you Clipper fans. But he loves Laker fans even more, and we all know that. Um, but anyway, I want to take you back. It was game three of the 1994 Eastern Conference semifinals. And the score was tied with 1.8 seconds left in the game. And the Chicago Bulls had the ball. And their coach, Phil Jackson, called the play for a role player, not their star, to take the last shot. However, their star player was so upset that the play was not called for him that he refused to go into the game. And just went back to the bench and sat on his seat. However, this role player made the shot and the Bulls won the game. But this incident set ripples all across the NBA as well as the sports community. Because basketball is a team sport. And when the coach calls a play, every player knows that they need to follow that plan in order to make that play work. That they have to trust in the wisdom and the experience of the coach. And that even though the play is not called for you at that particular moment, that you still have a role to play in order to win the game. And today, we're going to learn that we all have the privilege of taking part in God's epic narrative to save the world, right? And, you know, for those of us who are believers, what a wonderful opportunity we have to be actors and actresses in God's overall story that we see in Genesis all the way through the Bible and we see um, closing in the book of Revelation, And that purpose was to save this world. And for those of you who are watching and who don't know God, you know, this is good news for you. And I hope that you give hope knowing that God's plan all along was to save you. Not to condemn you, not to judge you, but to save you. And I know that some of you might be saying, well, you don't know what I've done. And, you know, everything I've heard about this Christian God is a God of judgment and condemnation. But that's not the God we worship. That we are all part of God's plan to save this world. And so the one thing that I want you all to leave today is this. If you want to give God the glory, you have to participate in his story. Once again, if you want God, if you want to give God the glory, you have to participate in his story. All right? That God has this epic story that spans all of history. And some of us might have forgotten that we are a part of that 
story. And so this message may make some of you, especially those of us who you know been going to church for a long time, it may make us feel a little uncomfortable today. And I just want to warn you ahead of time, but that's okay. Because I think every once in a while we need to made to be feel uncomfortable so we could reorient ourselves to really what God wants us to do. But once again, what's the purpose? If you want to give God the glory, you have to participate in his story. Now we're going to continue our um, uh, uh, study of Acts. And we're at the point where Stephen is defending himself um, against the false accusations that the religious leaders were saying about him to prove that Jesus Christ was the Messiah that came, that God sent to save Israel. However, they, the uh, Jewish religious leaders and people rejected Jesus as the Messiah, and they crucified him. And now Stephen is making a point that Throughout Israel's history, they had a history of rejecting God's plan as well as persecuting God's men. And they didn't realize that they were a part of God's story. Once again, if you want to give God the glory, you have to participate in his story. And they forgot that they were part of of God's story. So if you turn with me to Acts 7, starting with verse 8. Acts chapter 7, verse 8. And it says, Later Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, the father of the Israel nation, became the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of the twelve patriarchs. Now the these are the 12 sons of Jacob, or for some of you, you might know them as the 12 tribes of Israel. Which brings us to my first point, is that participating in God's story requires faith. Participating in God's story requires God's faith. And that means that we need to trust in God's plan and believe that he knows what he's doing, even though We may not see it, like the song said that we sung before. Even though we may not see it, God is still working. Participating in God's story requires faith. Let's go on to verse 9. But the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, and they sold him as a slave into Egypt. Now, a little background on this, that Joseph was Jacob's favorite son, right? You know, he had 12 sons and out of the 12 Joseph was his favorite and everybody knew it all Joseph's brothers knew that he was dad's favorite and dad gave him this beautifully designed coat to make him stand out to show all of his brothers that hey you I, I love you guys I really do but hey man Joseph Joseph he's special And on top of that, God gave Joseph a dream, which meant that one day in the future that Joseph was going to ascend into a place of authority where his brothers would bow down to him, right? Could you imagine that? Here, you know, it's bad enough that, you know, that dad loves this guy more than us. 
But then God gives him this dream that one day that all of us are going to bow down to our little brother, daddy's favorite, right? And that just enraged him to the point where they wanted to kill Joseph. This was the straw that broke the camel's back. But instead of killing Joseph, what they did, they sold him into slavery where he ended up as a slave of Pharaoh's captain of the guard, in the home of Pharaoh's captain of the guard in Egypt. But what does it say? God was with him. Okay, the story doesn't start out very good for Joseph, right? Well, it started off good that he was a favorite. And just for you parents out there, nothing good comes out of favoring one child over the other, right? Nothing good comes out with comparing one child to the next or comparing your child to somebody else's child, right? Nothing good comes out of that. And we see that, you know, in Scripture. But God was with them, you know. God was with them. You know, in verse 10, Luke goes on and says, And God rescued him from all his trouble, and he gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Now, when Joseph was sold as a slave um, in the home of Pharaoh's captain of the guard, God blessed Joseph. And so Joseph um, um, Potiphar, who was, you know, the captain of the guard, Pharaoh's guard, made Joseph in charge of his entire household. Once again, God was with them, right? God was uh, with them, right? And he said he rescued him from all his trouble. So once again, he was sold into slavery, but God was with him, and he gained favor to the point where he was in charge of Potiphar's whole household. However, Potiphar's wife, Seeing that Joseph was a handsome man, she tried to seduce Joseph. And every single day, she would try to seduce Joseph. But Joseph would have none of that. And Joseph refused day after day. Till finally, she got frustrated and accused Joseph of falsely accused him of sexually assaulting her, which ended, uh, which made, which landed Joseph in jail. So here Joseph was a favorite. He was sold into slavery. God prospered him. He was in charge of Potiphar's entire household. And then he was falsely accused. And now he's in jail. However, God gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. And Pharaoh was having these disturbing dreams that would occur night after night after night. And none of his men, his wise men, could interpret the dream. So Joseph was called to interpret, you know, Pharaoh's dream. And with God's wisdom, Joseph interpreted the dreams, which impressed Pharaoh so much that he made Joseph second in command in all Egypt. So once again, he went from a slave to Blessing to the head of the household of Potiphar. Then he went to prison. And now God was with him. And he became second in command of the most powerful nation in the world. Right? 
But God has a plan. And we, and we start to see this in Acts 7, 11, where it said, Then famine struck all of Egypt and Canaan, and this is where Joseph's family lived, lived, bringing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. They were starving. As, as in, in verse 12, When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our forefathers on their first visit. So once again, there was a famine throughout the land. And because of Joseph's wisdom and leadership, they stored up enough grain um, to last them throughout this entire famine because the dream that um, Joseph interpreted is that there was going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And now they were in this time of famine. Okay, And so Jacob sends his sons to Egypt to try to get grain. And then in verse 13, on their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was. And Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. And Jacob went down to Egypt where he was, where he and our ancestors died. And so we see that when Joseph saw his brothers coming to get grain, he called them before him. And his brothers... Um, had no clue who Joseph was, you know, because he looked totally uh, different. But Joseph revealed himself to him, right? Now, this terrified his brothers. Could you imagine? Because 30 years before, they sold him into slavery. Now he was second in command of the most powerful nation in the world, and he held their lives in the palm of his hands. If he wanted to, he could have said, I want these guys executed for what they did to me. He could exact their, his revenge on them. And that's what his brothers thought he was going to do. But see, now Joseph understood that he was part of God's plan all along. And that his brothers selling him into slavery was part of God's plan to ultimately save his family so God could keep his promise to Joseph's great-grandfather Abraham to make his offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky and that they would be a blessing or that the Messiah who would come would be the descendant of Abraham would be a blessing to the entire world. And this is where when Joseph confronts his brothers, we see this famous statement. And that's in Genesis 5:20. And this is what Joseph's telling his brothers. It says, "You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives." This is all part of God's plan. And Joseph understood that now. He probably didn't see that before. But what he says is, you guys were jealous of me. You guys wanted to kill me. You guys wanted to harm me. And that's the way I felt. But now, now I see that although you meant to harm me, God intended it for good all along to accomplish what he is now doing. Why? To save your lives and the lives 
of your family. But we also see this principle in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who were called according to his purpose. And what's the next point? That participating in God's story ultimately results in our good. And this is important, because I hope this gives you hope, right? That we may suffer when we're on earth, and we may spend a long time suffering, right? But then in the end, for those of us who love God, for those of us who've been called according to the purpose, good is going to come out of this. Why? Because God's plans are always 100% of the time good. But the problem is, we think that God would solve our suffering just like that, right? We're in this microwave era where we say, okay, God, I understand that you've called me to suffer. Yeah, there's certain lessons that you want me to learn that I could only learn through suffering. And so we, we go through suffering, and right away we say, okay, God, I get the lesson. I get the lesson. Okay, you could stop now. You could stop. But then it keeps going, and day after day, turns after months, turns after years, and sometimes turns into decades, right? Joseph spent 13 years suffering before he became second in command in Egypt. Now, even though the Bible doesn't say this, you know he probably was starting to doubt the dream that God gave him. Because here he thought that he was gonna, God was going to place him in a position where not only his brothers, but also his father and mother would, be, would bow down to him. But he's sold into slavery. He's sitting in jail. 13 years. And he's probably saying, God, did I get you wrong? Maybe I interpreted your dream wrong. Because it's been a long time. And I just don't get what you're doing. There is no way my brothers and father and mother are going to bow down to me, a prisoner in Egypt. And at that time, he had no idea how long he was going to be in prison. He had no idea. Thirteen years, right? And that could be you right now. Maybe you're just saying, you know, it's been such a long time since you're suffering. And you're saying, God, I know you're a good God, but I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. You know, I'm, I don't know if I want to participate in your story anymore because all it's done is brought me suffering. But we have to remember that God promises that if we part- actively participate in God's story, it ultimately results in good. It ultimately results in good. And then we see in verse 14, After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all. So Joseph calls for his family, 
and says, not only am I going to feed you, I want you to come down and I want you to live with me. And I'm going to give you the best land in all of Egypt. But it says that there was only 75 of them, right? And God promised to make Abraham in a great nation, into a great nation, but there's only 75. Mission Valley was larger than Jacob's family when he went to Egypt. But God's plan during that time in history was for Joseph to bring his family to Egypt so he could develop them into this great nation. Now, Jacob's family came to Egypt with 75 people. But 430 years later, they left with approximately 2.5 million people and an army of 600,000 men. God's plan was to build a nation out of these 12, out of these 75, into this great nation. But it took a span of 430 years. And 215 of those 430 years, Israel spent in slavery, right? And could you imagine growing up as a slave in hard labor, living your entire life as a slave and dying? And you say, you know what? God, I don't get your plan here. You know, I've heard of all the stories about Father Abraham, you know, and how you're going to make him into a great nation. But I was born into slavery. My children were born into slavery. And I am going to die in slavery. What is my role in this great narrative? Because it really doesn't look great to me, right? God has a plan to increase the number of the 75 to turn them into this great nation. But you know, God's plan hasn't changed, right? God's plan was to save mankind from their sins. And he was going to turn Israel into this great nation in order to do that. God's plan hasn't changed. And his plan is still to increase the number of his new nation, which is what? The church. And we see this in Matthew 28:19. And it says, "Go therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit." And then Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always to the end of the earth. And this is the New Living Translation. And the reason I chose this passage for this sermon, because in verse 20 it says, Teach these new disciples, right? Teach these new disciples that our role as you know, in God's story is to go out there and to be a part of growing God's new nation, to teach new disciples, to teach new disciples. And when we signed up to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we just uh, signed up to be a part of God's plan to build his new nations of followers of Jesus Christ. And some of us, and I've done this too, have forgotten that. 
You know, what if the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, said, you know, I really don't want to be a part of God's building God's nation. You know, parenting is hard. You know, I'd rather not have a family. I don't want to have kids so my kids could have more kids and so my kids could have more. Forget it. Man, teenage, you know, being a parent of teenagers, it's hard. I don't want to do this, right? If they felt that way, God would have never been able to build them into this great nation. However, in many ways, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. And what it says there is, I love that where it says, teach these new disciples. And what have we done? We've shifted from teaching new disciples to, hey, I just want to teach disciples. I want to teach old disciples. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend my entire Christian life teaching disciples throughout their entire lifetime what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's who we focus on. But what does he say? Teach new disciples, which implies that we are going out and making new disciples, that we are out there spreading the gospel message. And something, some, you know, the church has forgotten about that, right? We prioritize our personal holiness, our personal spiritual growth, and emphasize spiritual training of our people that we forgot that we signed up to be a part of God's growth movement. Now, there's nothing wrong with our personal holiness. There's nothing wrong with training others. But what was God's story? What is the main theme of God's story? You know, we see this in John three sixteen, right? For God so loved this world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will be a moral person. Does it say that? No, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's God's plan. That was God's plan right from the start. Right from the start. But what we've developed is these holy huddles where we go to Bible studies, we learn about God. Now, there's nothing wrong with that because we should. We try to be a good person. Right? We try to be a good person. And, and when we follow God's command, he transforms us. But we forget, brothers and sisters, that's not his plan. His plan from the very beginning, from Genesis, which I shared last week, was to save mankind. And for those of you who are watching who don't know Jesus Christ yet, that is wonderful news. Because he did not come to judge you or condemn you. He came to save you. No matter what you've done, he came to save you. But when we forget that we are part of God's story to build his kingdom numerically, it causes the decline and weakening of his church. And we see this in America today, where the Pew Research Center published an article just last year titled, In U.S. Decline of Christianity Continues at a Rapid Pace. The decline of Christianity in America continues at a rapid pace. And in this article, it says, Currently, 43% of U.S. adults identify with Protestantism. Protestantism. And this is down 51% from 2009. In less than 11 years, those who identify as Christians has dropped 51%.
The fastest religious group in our nation, if you could call them a religious group, are the religious none of the above, or the nons, right? You know, they call themselves religious, but they don't identify with every with any religious group, right? And this group, their total number equals the total amount of Protestantism, Protestants, and Catholics combined. And it keeps on growing. And we see the decline in the church in America. Why? Because we have forgotten that we need to be participants in God's story to save people whom he loves very dearly. And this is a sad commentary in the Church of America, but there is a hope. Praise God that throughout this COVID-19 period, nine people accepted and made the commitment to follow Jesus Christ this year in Mission Valley. God is still working, but I'll bet the people who led them to Christ, who played a role in their decision-making process to become disciples of Jesus Christ, are flying on cloud nine right now. And why is that? Because while Christianity might be declining in the, um, America, they realize if you want to give God the glory, you have to participate in his story. And his story to save people. Brothers and sisters, yes, it's important to be in life groups to study the word and support one another. It's important to be a part of our um, fellowship ministries. It's important to be a part of our worship ministries. But we can't forget that God's story is what? To save. That's why he sent Jesus Christ into this world. To save the people that he loved. And this is the story of the narrative that we need to be a part of. But so many times we want to be a part of our story. And not a part of God's story. Or history. His story. You know, we might be doing a lot of God things. Good things. But if we really, truly want to be a blessing to all nations, to fulfill the promise that God gave to Abraham, we need to prioritize this participating in God's story, which is to what? Which is to save. Which is to save. And, you know, and I've been guilty of that, too, where I've just huddled up in our church, you know, where I've just concentrated on what's happening within these walls. And I forgot that's that's not the main theme of God's story. The main theme of God's story is to save the lost. So people would not perish that would not spend an eternity away from God, but they would have eternal life. And I hope that you understand that 
And it blesses me that some of you are. Because I know I was talking to a member of our church. And they were thinking about writing letters to those around them who didn't know Christ. Just to share what God's doing in their life. How, God, how they're participating in God's story. And you know who you are. And good job. Good job with that. So slowly, I think people are starting to get that. To realize that, yes, you know, obeying God to, be, to become more Christ-like is important, but that's just a means to an end. That the major uh, narrative in God's story is that God loves this world, and he came to save it. So what's our uh, weekly challenge? Our weekly challenge is to read Acts 7 uh, verses 8 through 14, that's, that's the passage we read today. But I want you to read the story of Joseph, and that spans from Genesis 37 through 50. That'll give you a better uh, idea of what Joseph was actually going through. And I want you to ask the, you, yourself this question. Are you trying to live your story or to participate in God's story? I want you to each really, really think about that today. Are you trying to live your story or to participate in God's story? And finally, what are you doing to play your role in growing God's kingdom numerically? What are you doing to play your role in growing God's kingdom? Worship team, would you please come forward? And I'd like to spend some time in prayer. You know, I know before I've had invitations for those who do not know Jesus. But today, I want to pray for those of us in the church. I want to pray for those who maybe have our compass not pointing in true north. That somewhere along the line, we've forgotten to live. That we are to participate in God's story. And we're trying to live our story. But you know what? God is a God of hope. You know, God is a God that always gives you second chances. And God will give you that second chance to turn. And he'll always, he'll always accept you if you want to come back to be a part of his story. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as the senior pastor of Mission Valley, I need to confess to you that over the course of my life, there were so many times where I forgot to be a part of your story. Father, that I have chosen to focus on what goes on within the walls of Mission Valley. To, to spend the majority of my time teaching people to teach, to, to make disciples and to teach disciples throughout their lifetime what it means to become more like your son Jesus. When your great commission, Father, was to teach new disciples. And there might be some of you here right now who spent your entire life as a believer 
just trying to be more Christ-like, which is a good thing. But you've forgotten the main theme of God's story from Genesis through Revelation was to save. From the time sin entered into this world, God's plan was to save people from our sins. Not for us to huddle within the walls of our church. Not to just to participate in ministries that benefit people within the church. And that uncomfortability you're feeling right now, I guarantee you that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Why? Because I know that feeling. And the Holy Spirit spoke loud and clear as I was preparing this message that I, as your pastor, need to change the focus of this church. And so I asked that you would pray for me and to pray for our staff that we could change the culture to participate in the main theme of God's story. For those of you who right now who are living your own story, God is a God of mercy. God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God that always has his arms wide open, waiting and wanting you to come back to him, to participate in his story. Because he knows that if you're living life, your own story, it leads to nowhere. So right now, if you're feeling that desire to repent of that, to come back and live as a part of God's story, take some moments to tell God that now. And if you want to be part of living God's story, I guarantee you that God will make that happen to you. doesn't matter what you've done. God always accepts you. God will always forgive you. God is just so thrilled that you're back. He doesn't care about what you've done. He's just so thrilled that you're back. Oh, God, thank you so much that you've given us the awesome privilege to be a part of your story. The God of this universe that spans every single inch of this universe. You have called us to be a part of your story. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the power of your Holy Spirit to be effective witnesses for you. To be a part of your plan to save this world from their sins. And as you increased Israel from 75 people to about 2.5 million, I pray, I pray that you would use Mission Valley to grow our numbers. Not so we could pat ourselves on the back, but that means that more people will be spending their eternities with you. 
In your son's name we pray. Amen.